This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival. Also via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. This podcast is also available via Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Deezer, the iHeartRadio website and app and at warfradio.com or just Google search Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. On this week's episode, we're going to be catching Catching up with Brisbane Lions and Maroochydore QAFLW footballer Lily Postlethwaite and the new coach of Macquarie University in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division, our very own Coach Kiwi, Lisa Roper. We begin, though, with the latest women's footy news and first to the AFLW, where the cuts keep on coming at the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos. A month ago, they parted ways with Scott Gowans. Despite an 11-3 and record, they elected not to renew his contract and replaced him with pro scout Darren Crocker. Now they have farewelled assistant coach Nick Rutley. Nick Rutley was responsible for the defence in the 2020 AFLW season. He wrote on Twitter on Monday, Unfortunately, my time at North Melbourne AFLW is up. Really grateful for the opportunity and want to thank Laura Kane, Matt Belitho, and of course all the players. All the best for 2021. Decision time is coming up soon for the Irish women playing in the AFLW. Sarah Rowe from the Collingwood Magpies was a guest on the Off the Ball podcast on the Newstalk.com website and she admitted in a fortnight's time she'll have to choose between playing for Collingwood in the AFLW in 2021 or playing with Mayo in Gaelic football back home in Ireland. I have to decide between the 1st and 17th of August, but as of now, it's just because of travel restrictions and all that, it's like still very much so up in the air from kind of both sides. So it's like, I can't really, I suppose, until something is actually placed in front of me, like I can't make any decision. I'm very much a person like that until it hits me in the face. I would barely think about it. So as of now, I'm just kind of focusing, I both on my club first and then focusing next on Mayo. Like, it's it's a lovely life and everything. It's not the same as, like, you know, you love being at home as well with your family as well. So, like, there's pros and cons to both side, sides of it all. And, you know, I think going forward, it's there will have to be a decision to be made because the demands of both sports will be a, a small bit greater, I think, every year. So, um, it's just whether you know, you make the decision of what you really want and that's the decision I have to make. To the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division and just a week out from the start of the COVID-affected 2020 season, Macquarie University have appointed Lisa Roper as head of women's football and head coach for the Women's Premier Division side. Lisa Roper explained the decision behind the late switch to bring her into the coaching position. It's come up rather suddenly. They had a coach locked in, but due to COVID, has wife has had to go back to Perth is why he's um, had to give it up rather suddenly so um, so so yeah it was just an, an availability at the club and um, one of the players messaged me and sort of said um, you're in Sydney are you interested and then you know it just kind of went from there. Our full interview with Coach Kiwi, Lisa Roper, coming up later on in the program. Let's head overseas. News out of AFL Asia. Excellent numbers are showing up for the Hong Kong Dragons. Yes, they're out of COVID lockdown. And 10 new players 
were amongst their 27 women who took part in an AFLW scratch match played over the weekend. Fantastic news there. Over in Canada, they've started things up again. The Calgary Kookaburras held a Summer Cup match, their second so far of the uh, Canadian summer held over the weekend. Over in Quebec, they had round one of their flag football competition. So with COVID restrictions, they're playing non-contact and as a mixed game. Also in AFL Canada, they have coming up uh, Wednesday, July 15th, 8pm Eastern Standard Time, that is Canadian time, uh, the fourth of their five webinar series, sponsorship and fundraising for AFL Canada clubs with Owen Welsh, uh, who's a VP of Global Partnerships with a Canadian Football League, that for AFL Canada clubs. They need to register, obviously, through the AFL Canada website. And that is your latest women's footy news. Time for a quick score check of what's happened in women's football throughout the state leagues over the weekend. We begin in the Sanford women's competition. Round seven played over the weekend. South Adelaide 3-11-29, defeated West Adelaide 1-5-11. Glendalgh. 8 8 56, Thrash Sturt, just the five behinds. Woodville West Torrance, 4 5 29, went down to Central Districts, 7 2 44. While the Roosters keep their winning streak rolling on, 9 10 64, defeating Norwood, 3 1 19. Over to the QAFLW, they've started up again. Round four held over the weekend. Coolangatta Tweed, 1 3 9, went down to Bond University, 4 9 33. A draw between Yoronga South Brisbane and the UQ Red Lions, 3 8 26 apiece. Absolutely didn't get on the scoreboard as they went down to Cooperoo, 14-9-93. And Maroochydore, 6-10-46, defeated Wilston Grange, 3-2-20. And we'll be catching up soon with Maroochydore footballer Lily Postlethwaite. So let's look ahead to the fixture of matches for this week. And it's great to see that Tasmania, WA and New South Wales have got women's footy back this weekend. We begin with the Sanford W competition. Round eight of the 10-round season for them this weekend. On Saturday, North Adelaide versus Woodville West Torrens at Prospect Oval. Three games on the Sunday all at ACH Group Stadium being led off by Sturt versus Norwood, Central District versus West Adelaide and Glenelg versus South Adelaide. So the QAFLW competition, round five this weekend, all games on Saturday, July 18th, 2.45pm at Leishon Park, Yurunga South Brisbane versus Maroochydore, 3.45 at Bond University, Bond Uni play host to Apsley Hornets. 4.45pm at Giffen Park. Cooperoo versus Coolangatta Tweed. A big grudge match there. And at 4.45pm at UQ Oval 2, the Red Lions versus the Wilston Grange Gorillas. The opening round of the Tasmanian State League women's competition is this week and Saturday, July 18th, 9.30am. Just the standalone game between Launceston and North Launceston. Clarence Glenorchy and the Tigers all having the bye. Across to round one of the West Australian Football League women's competition. Two games on the Saturday, one on the Sunday. On Saturday, Peel Thunder versus Swan Districts, 12pm at David Gray's Arena. And then at 5.15pm in the Twilight game at Leaderville Oval, Subiaco versus Claremont. The local derby is on Sunday, 2pm at Fremantle Community Bank Oval. It's South Fremantle versus East Fremantle. And round one of the Sydney Women's Premier Division, five games. This is a team 
team competition this year. We kick off 10.35am on Saturday. UTS versus the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs at Trumper Park. 11.30, it's Pennant Hills Demons versus Sydney Uni at Mike Kenny Oval at the bottom oval of that ground. At 12pm, North Shore Bombers versus Manly Warringah Wolves at Gore Hill Oval. 12.20pm, Mac Uni versus Southern Power at Mac Uni. And at 12.20pm, Inner West Magpies versus the East Coast Eagles at Picken Oval. Don't go anywhere. Our interviews with Lily Postlethwaite and Lisa Roper still to come here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. Been playing for a while. Sweet kicks Cause footy makes you smile Sweet kicks football If you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet kicks football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au. Gotta go the extra mile. Sweet Kicks Football. In Melbourne on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival, you're listening to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. To the first of our two guests for this week, she has captained the Queensland under-18 youth girls side, been an All-Australian at under-18 youth girls level, been a part of the Brisbane Lions Academy, played in the Queensland Winter Series last year, was taken pick three in the AFLW draft by the Brisbane Lions, represented them in all seven games that they played in this shortened AFLW season is in her second year now with the Maroochydore Roos in the QAFLW competition where they currently sit on top of the table four and zip. It is great to have on the line Lily Postlethwaite. Lily, how are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Great to have you on the line and more importantly, how does it finally feel to be back out there on the park playing competitive football? Yeah, it's really good to be back. It's been a while, so it feels a bit weird at the start, but getting back into the groove now. Let's talk about the first game back for you. It was over the weekend. The QAFLW competition has restarted. It originally had an early start to the season in February, running alongside the AFLW of three rounds. It stopped like everyone else due to uh, COVID-19. Uh, for the team... Obviously got the win, we'll talk about that in a moment, but for the initial first quarter or so, how does it feel to actually be back out there and, and trying to get back in the groove and dust off the cobwebs? Yeah, it was a bit um, rusty at the start, but um, after the first couple minutes went by, everyone kind of got back into it. Indeed, you did, because uh, originally it was Wilston Grange with a four-point lead at quarter time before you turned things around. Must be pleased with that second half, though. You kept the Gorillas to just one behind. Uh, your team finishing 6-10-46 to 3-2-20. Yeah, I think um, early everyone was a bit uh, rusty, like I said. Then once we figured out what was happening, how they were getting those goals, like we shut them down over the back and then um, just kept them to one point, like you said, which was good in the end. 
Let's talk about the Marucci door side and how you've been building up to this year. At the moment, as, as I said earlier, the ladder shows four and zip undefeated. You've been, obviously, for a couple of years now with the Roos. It's been a slow build, hasn't it, for the Sunshine Coast team? Because originally they were dominant in the lower divisions. And in, okay, I wouldn't say easy beats, but they were at the lower end of the ladder for their initial period in the QAFLW yeah. competition. And last year, things really started to get going. Your first ever finals campaign. Yeah, so the first year at um, Richard was last year, which was really good, and we started to build things up again, and we finally made finals, which was really good. We had a pretty good year. We got a few new girls come through. Um, so, yeah, they really added some things to the team, and now we're just building on that each year, and I think this year we've got a really good chance. Can you talk us through some of those players that you managed to bring into the side? I'm guessing it's more of a younger team because the first name that stands out to us is Shannon Campbell. She's been with the Roos since day dot. But obviously, Talia Randall, great to have her back in Queensland. Obviously, she spent some time with uh, North Melbourne, Tasmanian Kangaroos down here in Victoria. Uh, what's it been like trying to build this side? Has it been relying predominantly on that youth girl system coming up through the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, I think we do really have a strong base of the youth girls, which is really good. And they obviously rely on the likes of Tali Randall and Shannon Campbell to um, progress and get the knowledge of them, which is really good. So, yeah, we do have lots of young girls that really help and build the core of our team. So they're doing really well at the moment, which is great. Also a change of captain as well, Rachel Crack taking over. Yeah, Crack's great. She's just hard at the footy. Um, really good leader on and off the field. And, yeah, she's a really great captain. As we said, four and zip at the moment. That big win over Wilson Grange. Wilson Grange, obviously, with the likes of Rianne Lug, Kate Luckins played through him, Kathy Spark. But I look ahead to the game you've got against Yeronga South Brisbane. Now, to be fair with the four and zip, it has been against sides lower than you on the ladder. Virtually every side's lower than you because you're first. But there have been sides outside the top four. Yeronga South Brisbane has been a side that's always been about when it comes to finals time. Bit of a challenge for you coming up this weekend. They've got a side stacked with talents such as Emily Bates, Jordan Z. And Cheddar and Jackie Austin. Yeah, I think what we'll have to do with them is really um, lock down in the midfield because they've got a really good core. And then if we can take them out of the game, I think we'll have a chance. Let's talk about your footy career, um, by the way, since we got you on the line, Lily. Um, I, I go back for you. Um, you actually picked up the game about 12 or 13 years old. I think you followed uh, your dad into playing the same club at Moreton Bay. Yeah, he was um, playing Masters and I always used to go down and um, train with him. And then there wasn't really a girls team at the start. And then we saw a couple girls um, running on the top oval. So Dad said, do you want to go join them instead of joining the Masters? And I said, yeah, why not? Give it a go. And then, yeah, I really enjoyed it and haven't really looked back since. It's been really good fun. A long career through the youth girls, um, including a couple of years with uh, the Queensland under-18s uh, youth girl side. As we said, you had the honour of, of captaining them uh, last year. Last year was actually a pretty full-on year for you because you had uh, not only the uh, youth girls national carn carnival and playing youth girls football, you were also training with the Lions Academy at that stage and playing in the uh, QW Winter Series. Can you talk about what the playing and training load, along with playing with Maruchidor, was like last year? Yeah, that was really um, full on last year. It was um, lots of travelling because I live probably about an hour or an hour and a bit from um, Richdor and from Brisbane as well. So I do travel a fair bit, but you get used to it as you do it like four or five nights a week. But yeah, it was a lot to, um, it was a lot of work that year, but it definitely paid off towards the end of the year. 
experience um, going through the winter series. Just obviously, when I got drafted to the Lions, I uh, knew most of the girls already, so that transition was made easier. And let's talk about that going into lines, because obviously you were taken as pick three overall in the draft. When we speak to some of the players when they came into their first AFLW season, we're predominantly talking about players who played in the inaugural year, 2017. They'd been playing... Um, grassroots football beforehand, which is not as professional as it is now, at least on the women's side of the game. And they talked about how tough it was that first preseason and trying to get to that uh, physical standard of having to play National League football. You're part of that system that, as you said, from 12 or 13, had all the way through the Youth Girls Program, Winter Series, Academy Series. Did you find the transition probably wasn't as that hard, having been with the Academy, to stepping up to the training load that you had as a semi-professional? Uh, yeah, for sure. Being a part of all the academies and um, the winter series really like set you up um, to go into AFLW. And you get a, lots of programs they give you and everything that really prepares you for it. So I think it was definitely a big step up in saying that. Like the training load is very hard to deal with as an 18-year-old coming straight in, but it does make it easier from being in the academies and everything like that. Looking back on your first year, for yourself personally as a team, how do you judge the Lions in the AFLW in 2020? Because you turned things around as a club. They they dipped a bit in 2019, a stronger 2020. And, of course, everything stopped through COVID-19. So we don't get, a, I guess, a full picture that we would like on what the year was going to plan out to be. Yeah, I think we started off really well. Uh, we were seeing a few back-to-back games and then it just, dipped a bit towards the end of the season as we started bursting um, very good teams towards the end of the year. But I think next year we can build on that again and continue to win more games effectively. So COVID-19 has come along and everything stopped, including the AFLW season was cancelled and there's no grassroots football running. And as we've talked about, the QAFLW was three rounds in and that stopped. Um, I want to look at it from two different perspectives for you. First of all, was it an unplanned but almost welcome break for you because, again, how we talked about all the football and all the training that you did in 2019, from the body's point of view, was it welcome to have that um, kind of unexpected rest? Yeah, it was actually quite enjoyable for the first couple of weeks, but then after that it was like, all right, when's footy going to come back? But, yeah, it was a bit longer than expected, but you didn't really know when it was going to come back. So you kind of just had to always keep on top of yourself. For you, up until they announced when the QAFLW was coming back, um, what kind of training did you try and go through and, I guess, motivation? Because as footballers, you're all used to working to a timetable. And for those that um, were playing at the Lions and the Suns, for that matter, you would have normally it had a schedule set out that, OK, AFLW season ends around April. You're all going to have May and possibly a bit of June off. Around mid-June, July, you're coming back to QAFLW. You have a plan of rest, start to build up your training load back to competitive football. When we didn't know how long this pandemic obviously was going to last for, how do you try and keep yourself motivated and how do you know exactly what training you need to do to have your body at a certain state at a certain time? Yeah, so I just had um, two weeks off after that game that we um, played against Carlton in the semi-final and then I just talked to the high-performance staff around what I needed to work on and what how they wanted me to be informed for the couple season, so I just you know talked to them and then came up with um, just doing some running sessions and obviously gym sessions as well and um, keeping like hands on the footy as well because you know you got to always 
they better your skills. So make sure you get heaps of touch like that. But for motivation-wise, I think um, changing the scenery up where you run always helps a little bit. So don't always go to the same spot. But just knowing in the back of your head that you never know when the season's going to start again is also probably the biggest one. Like, I could be training and I'm like, oh, like, we've got a game next week. Like, you just didn't know when it was going to come back. Like, everything was a bit up in the air. So you just got to always have in your head that, you know, we could be playing in, like, two weeks. So you got to be ready. And finally, the news came through that the QAFLW was going to start up again. Um, I believe it probably would have been about four weeks' notice or so. So can you talk about what it's like coming back to training during this COVID-19? Of course, restrictions start to get eased every week or so as we go along and governments announce what you can and can't do. So what was it like coming back to the first training? What do you have to do? Was it separated groups and is everyone taking names, hand sanitizers as well? What's being done as we play football? in this pandemic environment? Yeah, it's a bit bizarre. Everyone's um, split up into three or four zones. You've got massive markets in between the fields and if your ball goes over, you can't go get it. you got to wait till it gets sanitised. you got to sign in to say that you're present at training and you're not allowed to do contact, which is probably the biggest thing that um, is a bit difficult at the moment because of the injuries. You don't want to just have like all this time without no contact and then just go bang straight into a game. But um, we're able to do contact, I think, a week out before we got to play, which was really lucky. So, yeah, it's a bit bizarre, but we got through it. And therefore, you managed to get back. And as we said, uh, the win over Wilston Grange on the weekend. Um are you prepared as well? I mean, we're, we're all fingers crossed. Unfortunately, it's happened here in Victoria where um, the, the COVID has come back in a way that we're in lockdown, stage three restrictions, and a season has got called off. Has there been much discussion, I guess, prepared for just in case a second wave hits Queensland of, OK, we have to be mentally prepared that the season could stop again and even be called off? Yeah, I think that's why we just need to really follow the restrictions um, carefully and not breach any of the protocols so we can't put the season in um, jeopardy or anything like that. So we should be really careful with how we go about things. One uh, interesting question I want to know about Maruchidor is obviously you've got some brand new facilities that were actually upgraded there um, not that long ago. And uh, strangely enough, if we didn't have coronavirus and all this wasn't happening, um, this coming weekend was meant to be the start of the AFL International Cup and your club, Maruchidor, was going to be hosting it. And there was something like about 18 nations, I think, that were coming to the ground. Um, had there been much chat around the club when it was announced late last year about this International Cup and were your plans of getting involved or attending it? Yeah, well, actually, uh, that's probably the first I've heard of that. I haven't really heard about that one too much, so not too sure about that one, but I'm sure... Would have got involved if I knew it was on. And of course, uh, fingers crossed, um, it all the pandemic goes away because at the moment they're looking at 2021 around July, August. Um, as we said, they've delayed it here, the AFL International Cup, and hopefully that will run again. Again, it was going to be held at the Maruchidor Sporting Complex. So, as we said, Yoronga uh, South Brisbane, big game coming up this weekend. Um, as you come into it, and if things keep tracking as they can during the shortened season, the ruse look on track for a finals campaign. What do you think you learnt out of last year's first appearance in the finals that is going to help the side for a better run in 2020? I just think we need to start the first quarter like really strongly. We can't ease into it. We've just got to go bang from the start and hold it on from there. 
And let's hope so, because we said this season is a bit different. It feels more like a sprint than a marathon that we're normally used to over a long four, five, six-month season. Lily, thank you very much for joining us here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. We wish you and the Maroochydore Roos all the very best throughout the remainder of your 2020 QAFLW campaign. And fingers crossed, everything runs to schedule as planned uh, February, March, April next year for the Brisbane Lions in the AFLW. No worries, thank you. Don't touch that dialer. Interview with our very own Coach Kiwi, Lisa Roper, now coach of Macquarie University, coming up right after this. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. And joining us on the line now here at the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival. You know her from her regular segment during the AFLW season with her kiss of death. We broke the news earlier in the year that she'd be midfield coach for Collingwood in the VFLW and head coach for the Fitzroy Stars in the Northern Football Netball League. But then COVID-19 came along and plans have changed. But the good news is this week, the coach is back in Coach Kiwi. Let's get her on the line. Lisa Roper. Coach Kiwi, how are you? Hello, hello. Yes, I'm very good, thank you. And yes, um... You would think it would be a casualty of COVID, but I seem to have picked myself up and back in the coaching spot. I should say that in the past couple of years, you'd been living in Victoria, and as much as you're a Kiwi, we can technically say your Australian home is actually Sydney. It is, it is indeed, and um, pretty much I take down a couple of suitcases and a bunch of other things that fit in my van to um, get me through the season. And I have a lovely couple of friends in Kensington that I stay with. And um, as it happened, when we got stood down in March, I came back with just a suitcase and my mountain bike and thought I'd be back here for a few weeks. So I had only really packed my summer clothes and been back ever since. So now hanging out for my beanies and raincoats and jackets that are in Melbourne. And um, and obviously missing my Melbourne buddies down there, but yes, it's um, did not expect to be back here for so long, and as it turns out, probably back for quite a bit longer. Indeed. Before we talk about your new role, in a way, which is an old role, because you're back at a club that you're originally with, Macquarie University, and uh, coaching their uh, women's uh, program. Let's take a step back prior to COVID-19 because you'd actually had a busy year planned. Obviously, we hear the jingle uh, on every single week's show of uh, Sweet Kicks Football, your academy. As we said, uh, you've been involved in the Collingwood program the year before. You'd stepped up to be a midfield coach, or were going to be a midfield coach for this year in the VFLW, and then you made a late announcement that you'd be head coaching Fitzroy Stars. And I believe there was also one or two other programs you had um, going pretty much a, a busy seven-day-week schedule here in Victoria. Yes, that is true. Um, I think it was six programs in the end, and um, Sweet Kicks was branching out a little bit to we were looking forward to launching Footy Mums with this girl, Ken, um, through the AFL, uh, through the Victorian Health um, sports program they do. And, and that was going to be for um, introducing new people to come and learn some skills and 
perhaps encourage mums to come and get some skills and then go and coach their children playing Auskick. And um, and COVID stopped the launch of that. And we thought we might be able to get in this term, but <laughs> it seems COVID's come back and hit us again. So um, probably that is well on the back burner now. Um, and then, yeah, the, obviously the juniors of the Yarra Magpies um, got called off. And I was also part of um, the Reclink Community Cup that plays uh, usually about mid-June out at Victoria Park. And we thought we might be able to schedule it in, in November. It raises some valuable funds um, for Reclink. And um, that's where we have the megahertz, a bunch of media jocks, really, against the musicians, the rock dogs down in Melbourne. But um, as it turns out, that's actually been canned for the year as well. So, yeah, it's pretty sad. Lots of um, Lots of football, lots of people. Um, of all ages, all abilities, and um, some valuable income for clubs and community as well. So um, COVID has crushed that all. Crushed everyone's spirits and everyone's incomes as well. And obviously for you to uh, make the wise decision of moving back to Sydney, um, even before the whole uh, second Victorian lockdown happened, um, how tough is it for you being not only a coach in a way, and you've got players speaking to you, but a businesswoman as well, as you said, running your academy. When And, and we've talked to Penny Kula reed about this when uh, we talked about her coaching Weemstown, is when there is no timeline, when there is no, okay, this thing is going to be over by X date. This will return by X date. I can plan a year ahead. We're going to be doing this. We're going to be doing that. How does life continue when there's, we don't know what's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah, it's um, hard. Some of it you have to think outside the box. So for Sweet Kicks, we actually created a virtual running program. So initially that was just five weeks, um, keeping just some run in the legs and developing sort of footy-specific type of fitness in the hope that we would get to a season. So I had a lot of um, people from Melbourne that had signed up for it and a whole heap in Sydney that had signed up for it. So you still had that, that kind of future planning that, you know, the season may come about. It could be July, it could be August, but, you know, let's keep the running going. And, um, and sadly, as it turns out, the people in Melbourne have ended up with no season at all and some of them continued the running. We extended it for another another month and the ones in Sydney were able to go back to their club to carry on. So you do, you have to think outside the box a little bit and I think also being in Sydney for me, I don't get so busy with the one-on-one bookings. There's not such a uh, demand for players that want that specific coaching and polish to their abilities that you would get down in Melbourne. So um, yeah, it means um, also, I guess, all the cafes and everything closing, less chance of going out. So less income means less expense as well. <laughs> so coping in other ways, I guess. So you're in Sydney, obviously looking for something to do, and then the position becomes available for Macquarie University. Now, what was your previous um, time at Macquarie University because we know that I think you've been involved with Wollongong Saints you helped set up what was known as the Bondi Shamrocks now the UTS Shamrocks but I believe that was your first club as a player in your 250 game career at Macquarie University um, yeah not quite it, um, I, I played for Macquarie I actually played my 200th game with Macquarie I played three seasons so it was after I'd lived down the coast and coached the Wollongong team and then came back, and my daughter lived near Macquarie is how we ended up um, going over to Macquarie University as a team. And 
um, played three seasons there. We won a premiership in 2013, which um, at the time was a Division Two premiership. Nowadays, it's called Division One. It's just they've changed the name to me. Um, and you know, we had had a blast with those girls, and a lot of us have retired from that team, and we still kind of get together once a year, and we call ourselves Once for Warriors and um, catch up nowadays instead of playing footy we actually just usually meet and watch an AFLW game because um, we're in different states too so I got three years with um, Macquarie before I ended up retiring and um, and then when I retired I was 248 games so I was two games short and I was helping Tracy kick out um, as an assistant coach to her down at UNSW when we sort of chatted about Nobody had played to 50 games in Sydney. Do I want to do it? And we talked about it. And um, so I had to get off my butt and I had a week of training. And I thought, you know, if I'm going to do it, let's do it against my old mates at Macquarie. And um, so I had a bit of a special game up there with those girls. And um, it was an evening match, I remember. And it was, um, it was just a lot of fun. It was really special to be able to do it with them, share it with them. Um, I no idea what the score was. I know I didn't kick a goal, but um, it was just a good night up there. So let's talk about taking over the reins at Macquarie University because there've been a few like late-minute changes when coaching. Like a a coach um, that uh, recently got appointed just uh, about a month or so after the WAFLW season was Amy Lavelle at uh, Subiaco, um, and now of course for you it was um, I believe just in the last few days. So this wasn't a case of you'd been training the side, had been happening for weeks or months in advance, and, oh, now we're just making an official. Here's a press release. It has just literally happened. Yeah, exactly. Um, I really only found out late Thursday night and Friday we um, really locked it in. Um, it's it's come up rather suddenly. They had a coach locked in, but due to COVID, his wife has had to go back to Perth, is why he's um, had to give it up rather suddenly. So... Um, so, so yeah, it was just an, an availability at the club and um, one of the players messaged me and sort of said, um, you're in Sydney, are you interested? And then, you know, it just kind of went from there and um, it, it's good to be able to go down and help them. It's probably something I thought I'd be able to come back. Um, I didn't think it was going to be this year, but in the future, come back and help develop uh, in Sydney football, definitely. Um, but, yeah, I kind of thought that... Um, holding out a little bit of hope for our VFLW season to go off. And that really was only announced, I think, about a month ago, the cancellation of that. Um, and so, yes, the more things cancelling, I guess, in Melbourne gave me less hope of getting back there. And and uh, my daughter was rather happy. She thought I'd get out and watch some of her soccer matches this year now that I'm in Sydney. So um, there was a little bit of benefit staying back here for my family. Um, and, yes, and now Macquarie have needed some help and um, I'm available so happy to get up there and help them so I haven't actually taken training or met the players yet Um, tonight will be my first night doing that how difficult is that because again you're just meeting the players and even if you do know some of the names and have seen some of the vision from the past you know getting to meet them and know their personality off the field and trying to get inside their heads of okay you used to play this position but maybe you can do this and maybe you can do that how difficult is that and then to try and formulate a game plan literally less than a week out from the start of the season yes it's going to be um, a huge challenge and the other thing is they play 16 aside here, which I have yet to coach 16 aside. So um, another little change. 
But uh, this week, I'm, I'm lucky that Ryan, who's been coaching them, is still here until Saturday. So I'm definitely going to be leaning on him. I plan to um, take some headshots and memorize some names very fast over the next couple of days. And uh, I think there's about four players that I know that were at the club when I was at the club. So it's um, a lot to learn. Um, whether I don't know if I tattoo their names on their arms or something, their numbers or something, so I can remember. But it will be definitely interesting. Um, I'll probably go a little bit off what Brian's been working on the last couple of months and not change too much, um, just sort of continue the development because he's got quite a young squad. He had a lot step away last year as they were the um, they won the premiership for the premier division and they just lost the grand final for their division two team, which is now promoted to division one. So a lot to work on, a lot to look forward to and a lot of young young players who are also quite new to the game to develop. So that's also really exciting too. Is this an opportunity to use this as an advantage when it comes to the psychology of players to push them that little bit more, that little bit harder to say, look, the Victorians aren't playing. They've lost a season. At best, they might get a couple of scratch matches. So you, along with other states, have the advantage of you're playing, you're getting more game time into you, these games are being filmed, so therefore there's more vision of you playing and mastering your craft as a temptation to be drafted. Yes, there's only the Giants who can um, uh, draft out of the New South Wales ACT pool, but for those who, particularly they're young enough, that may consider moving to another state next year, here's an opportunity for you to kind of jump up the queue. Yeah, they um, definitely. I'll, I'll talk to them about that when I meet them tonight. It's um, it's probably something that I'm much more in, inclined to lean on is is getting behind the psychology of the players and understanding what drives them and why they want to play the football. And and if that's what it is that we've got a whole heap of players that really want to work hard and put their hand up to be drafted, then that's the style of footy that we'll start to play as well, so that they will get that um, acknowledgement and they will be noticed. And, you know, I know with Brenna Tarrant last year, she put her hand up for the Victorian draft and got picked up by Melbourne Demons and um, ended up um, playing a couple of matches due to some of their injuries as well because she's a young talent who came through the Giants Academy. So definitely it's it's possible for players from Sydney to get noticed and get picked up in, in Victorian draft. So I'll definitely talk to the players tonight and um, discuss that side of it and also um, the challenges it's it can be mentally tough to be up and down you know are we playing or we not playing and here's a chance now when the current situation in Sydney I think at the moment is we've got a number of um, COVID clusters out quite west from where we are but there's always that I guess worry in the back of the mind that our season could cancel at any point so we have to make the most of each week that we do get to play or each week we do get to train and um, and having some of that um, video analysis available for players is going to be very crucial as well. Let's talk about those two stoppages, um, COVID and then injuries in, in a short season. First of all, I'll, I'll talk about COVID. Um, I guess is there plans to, you know, how to deal with it on a, on a psychological point of view if... Because Victoria's gone into lockdown for six weeks and it's very possible that all of a sudden if a COVID cluster starts to spread in New South Wales, you've already had some slight rollbacks when it comes to public venues. Um, 
if it happens, let's say in less than a week, because COVID does happen, this this spreads so quickly. Um, if it does happen um, and the season doesn't get away, or you get one game away, then bang, everyone stops like the AFL did. How you deal with that? Of and it's and it's, I guess it's a very difficult juggle at the same time of. If we play one game and it's called off, okay, everyone, just don't worry about training. It's done. Pack it, go away. Or we play one game, but we've kind of got to keep training by ourselves just in case we go again. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll obviously be guided by what the um, what the local government tells us too, I guess, in that regard of numbers or if we can continue training. Um, it, it'll just be also managing and looking after the mental health of the players too, as well as just their health. Like I'm, you know, obviously give them some guidance about perhaps, you know, don't hang out at the pubs or, you know, any opportunity where you could put yourself at a higher risk of catching this virus, um, you know, just to look after themselves and then, you know, look after their teammates sort of thing. But I've seen in, in Melbourne, you know, we were just starting to get our, you know, back into bigger groups and having a bit of a kick of the footy when it stopped. And for some of the players, they find it really hard to then go back to training on their own. And and if you're training on your own, you're kicking the ball a lot less. And, and everyone knows that running does wear you down at times, you know, especially mentally. You can you can run and run and run, but it does get a bit boring and it does, you know, it does drop the motivation a bit. So when you can get out with your mates and kick your footy and in a big team environment, it's a whole other level of um, um, stimulus that keeps you going. So, um, you know, definitely it'll be something to, to probably manage week in, week out and just keep sure, you know, being sure that the players are okay. And um, it's yeah, it's just some challenging times, I guess. It's so unpredictable. As much as we say we've got nine-week season and four weeks of finals, yahoo, you know, started this week, bang, go. Um, we just don't know what's around the corner with um, with the world at the moment. Yeah, the season is just ever so slightly longer than an AFLW season. So I guess you'll be mimicking that in a way as much as it's amateur and not semi-professional. But how do you manage those players uh, when it comes to injuries and some that might be trying to push past it? And I put it into this context. If a player's got, let's say, a bit of a, a niggle in the hamstring, if you're playing a regular season, let's say you're playing anywhere between 12 to 16 home and away games, let's say the, the longer end, like the VFLW, 16 games, if they're feeling a, an injury niggle halfway or two-thirds during the season as a coach, you can kind of tap them on the shoulder and say, look, we've got a couple of easy games coming up uh, soon. Let's sit you out for two weeks, rest up, you know, do the right thing, and then we'll bring you in at the business end when we get closer to finals. And players, from a mental point of view, can handle that because they know, OK, there's bigger fish to fry. Yep, I'll get my body right. But in a shortened season when it's a sprint, it's a sprint to get to this finals and you don't want to miss games because A, there's so few of them and B, like we mentioned earlier, in the back of everyone's mind, there's COVID-19 and you're thinking, if I sit out these next one or two weeks and then all of a sudden COVID racks up again and the season gets called off, I've just robbed myself of games of football. How do you manage that side of the game? Yeah, well, that's um, probably something that we kind of look at what 2020 has given us and and absolutely, on a normal season, when you're going after premiership points and going after you know potential players getting seen to be drafted, that does become important. I think you still probably don't want to risk um, further injuries with some of the players. And and how it is this year, you know, we sort of say to people, if you have a cough, 
don't come to training or don't come to work or, you know, if you think you may, you know, be feeling under the weather, don't come. And I think that'll come into team selections too is that we'll have to be naming a few emergency players in case somebody wakes up on a Saturday morning and says, hey, actually, I've got a bit of a sniffle. Perhaps I need to stay home and isolate today rather than be out with my team. And, and I think what we've got to do this year is, is probably put more the onus on, on the health of everybody and the development that we can do while we are together rather than just go out for points. Um, you know, the situation we're in in our Premier Division, we do get to play everybody once, so it is a little bit longer than an AFLW season. Um, but it's um, we we don't have any AFLW players on our list, so we every game for us is going to be hugely challenging game. So we do need to um, to bring it to be competitive, um, and you know it's it's probably where we need to line up as a team rather than rely on one or two particular players to get us through the match. We just need to be working as a high quality team unit so that if somebody, you know, who's, who might be a strong player is missing, it's not such a huge hole in our lineup. So um, I think, I think 2020, we just changed the way we coach in that regard is that, you know, we, we look after the health first and, um, you know, when it comes to injuries anyway, you probably would, wouldn't put anyone out on the field to, um, to risk anything further. And yeah, you might get the extra few weeks for a bit of a longer season so they can recover better. But um, yeah, I think I think 2020 is teaching us to be a lot more um, different, a lot a lot more adaptable, and uh, have an increasing load of flexibility around our plans. That's for sure. Again, this is a bit difficult with actually without meeting the team, and again, such a short space of time where you've been appointed as coach and you're about to head into your first game. But uh, have you started to stew in your head some ideas of a goals that you want to achieve for the season? Bar the Premiership, everyone wants to win the Premiership, but other minor goals you might set up. And, and B, trademarks or mottos for, for the team for this year. And when I talk about trademarks, I, I think of back in the old uh, VWFL when you have a team like Diamond Creek, which was, you know, renowned as the toughest inside football team going around. And a team like Darabin, which was their trademark is, they're clean by foot, clean by hand. Have have you got something set up in mind already for Macquarie of if we can play like this or if this is our trademark and we are known for this, we're ticking the boxes? Um, yes, yeah, certainly I probably need to get to know the players a little bit more. Um, but certainly I want them to play with um, with some really quality structures and something that's similar to what the AFLW clubs use and what the VFLW clubs use so, so that we're not just playing sort of kick and hope footy and and, you know, I think in Sydney we've had less structures um, in our style of playing uh, through across the board, really, and, and over the 20 years that we've had a competition here. So if we can bring, you know, more of that in and, and just their positioning on the field and their decision-making, um, the skills they'll develop, I'm not too worried about that. But I guess making good quality decisions, um, and especially under pressure, is probably something we'll, we'll work quite hard on as well. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'd probably look at a more of a, a good running game and a good, um, yeah, hopefully a high percentage um, efficiency game is probably what I, I, I'm more hoping to get. <laughs> and we certainly hope it does go well for you. Um, as you said, uh, your first game is this weekend. In case people are in Sydney and they do want to uh, get along and check out your coaching performance, and more importantly, the players that are representing Macquarie University Warriors, uh, where are you playing? When are you playing uh, this weekend? 
Yes, so um, our round one is against Southern Power, which um, were massive rivals when I was at the club and I'm probably certain that that rivalry has remained. Um, so they are the, the teal terrors from um, the Sutherland Shire. And we take them on at 12.20 is bounce for us at our home ground, University Oval. And prior to our matches, our reserves play at 10.30. So, um, yeah, it'll be good to get a crowd up there. Um, I've sort of been hitting up the my old teammates and some of the girls that retired last year to get along and cheer on the, the new crop of warrior that's coming through. And, um, and especially the young girls just get out there and show some support and, um, and you know, yay, we've got some footy happening. And most importantly, keep your eyes peeled in the crowd because you just might find a fridge walking around. Lisa Kiwi Roper, thank you very much for joining us here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. And we wish you all the very best in this shortened, but more importantly, still happening uh, AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division season with Macquarie University. Yes, Peter Holden, I'm excited for it. So, yes, come and join in the chorus is our tagline, and um, it certainly is an interesting year. And once again, we thank Lily Possethwaite and Coach Kiwi Lisa Raper for their time and joining us on this week's Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. This program airs every Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time in Melbourne on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival, also via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app, where you can listen to the podcast Anytime, more than 200 episodes by going to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Deezer, the iHeartRadio website and app, or WARFradio.com. But why not just Google Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast and you'll be able to find us. You can also find us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just search for WARF Radio. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks so much for your company, and I look forward to joining you again same time next week.